You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 27. Welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and I'm thrilled you're joining me here today. After a very long hiatus from recording podcast episodes, we are back at it with new episodes and new offerings that I really hope will resonate with you. So before we jump into today's episode, I want to share with you a bit about where the heck I've been and the direction that Third Suite is headed in moving forward. If you don't know the story behind the name Third Suite, I came up with it because I wanted my company to offer a suite of services for the third sector, or nonprofit sector. This suite has mainly consisted of consulting services. Sometimes nonprofits just need someone from the outside to step in and offer another perspective, and I love working with nonprofit partners in this way. However, in working with clients and researching the needs of nonprofits, I've come upon an unsurprising trend. Leaders are burnt out and staff feel unsupported by their supervisors. In the best cases, staff move from nonprofit to nonprofit seeking that perfect fit. In the worst cases, though, smart, capable, and truly inspiring leaders and future leaders leave the nonprofit field altogether after being chewed up and spit out. After hearing these stories time and again, I felt compelled to do something. So that's where I've been. I've been researching answers to questions such as, what does it take to be a successful nonprofit leader? How can managers motivate their teams? What can we do to prevent burnout? How can we build thriving teams and thus thriving organizations? While I don't have all the answers, let's be honest, these are huge, complex, multifaceted problems. I do think that we can begin to make progress through training and through a safe community where we can support each other. So I'm really excited to announce the launch of the Nonprofit Boss Network. The Nonprofit Boss Network is for anyone who, simply put, identifies as a nonprofit boss. Whether you supervise an intern or an entire organization, this is a resource for you. If you're like most of us, no one ever taught you how to be a supervisor and how to navigate the more complex interpersonal parts of your job. Well, that's about to change. So logistics. First off, this is all 100% free. Every Tuesday on this podcast, we'll continue to feature inspiring stories and actionable advice. Each Wednesday, I'll post a blog post that offers you quick tidbits of advice, and every Thursday on this podcast will feature a mini training on a nonprofit boss network topic. And lastly, every Thursday at noon Eastern, I'll also go live in our new private Facebook group to answer your questions. I'm creating a ton of content around developing not only your nonprofit knowledge, but also your abilities as a boss, because success in our field really depends on a combination of specialized knowledge and leadership capability. These are the yin and yang to nonprofit success and having a greater impact. But more importantly, this information is needed. We can't continue to lose smart, capable leaders from our field. I don't want you to burn out. I want you to thrive because your expertise is needed. 
So to kick things off, I have a great free worksheet called Five Mindset Shifts to Instantly Make You a Better Boss. You can download that at thirdsuite.com. It's right on the homepage. Downloading this will sign you up for Third Suite's email list. So you'll get updates each week as new information and resources become available. You'll also be invited to join the private Facebook group, which is truly where all the action is. If you don't really use Facebook, I totally get it. I was really hesitant to join Facebook groups because I barely use Facebook and I didn't understand the value. But after joining some truly outstanding groups, I can honestly say that the right group is a game changer. So even if you barely use Facebook, trust me and join our group. You can find it by searching for Nonprofit Boss Network in Facebook, or when you download the free worksheet, the email you receive will also include a link to our new group. I'm so excited for all that's to come. On Thursday, we'll have our first Nonprofit Boss Network episode, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you know when that gets posted. Okay, let's jump right into today's episode. Are metrics preventing your nonprofit from achieving strategic success? If you're like most nonprofit professionals, you probably just did a double take. Like what? Am I really telling you that metrics could be a bad thing? Before you hit stop on this episode though, I'm not saying that program evaluation and measuring your progress is wrong. No way. In fact, I think it's the opposite. All nonprofits need strong metrics so that we can measure progress toward our strategic goals and make sure that our programs serve their intended purpose. But in a recent Harvard Business Review magazine, there was an article titled, Don't Let Metrics Undermine Your Business. An obsession with the numbers can sink your strategy. Here, the authors look into how metrics can take businesses further away from their strategic goals. And they actually talk about how metrics were one of the driving forces behind the Wells Fargo scandal. Naturally, this article piqued my interest because, as we all know, measurement and program evaluation is huge for nonprofits. We need data for grants. Funders want proof that our programs have the outcomes that we say they will. Donors want to know that they're supporting effective programs. And our boards and supervisors want progress they can measure. So what are these HBR guys talking about? First, let's talk about what the difference is between strategy and metrics. Strategy is defined as a plan of action or policy designed to achieve a major goal or overall aim. The strategy of your nonprofit is, of course, laid out in your organization's strategic plan. Some examples of strategic goals are enhance museum visitor experience, expand program service area, or increase donor engagement. Looking at these examples, it's clear that strategic goals are actually pretty vague. They're kind of ambiguous, right? So in order to know whether we are actually making progress on these ambiguous strategies, we need metrics. The authors of the Harvard Business Review article, Michael Harris and Bill Taylor, describe the relationship between strategy and metrics as... Strategy is abstract by definition, but metrics give strategy form, allowing our minds to grasp it more readily. So strategy doesn't actually tell us very much, but metrics are full of information, which is why teams often discuss metrics, but strategy is rarely mentioned. 
So let's clarify this with an example. Let's say that you work at a museum, and one of the strategic goals for this year is to enhance the experience of museum visitors. Again, this is pretty abstract, so how can we give this strategy some bones? We need metrics. Some variables you might measure could include positive feedback from customer surveys, number of repeat visitors, and an increase in museum attendance. Your strategic plan would likely provide specific goals for each of these metrics. So 80% of customer surveys have positive feedback, 50% of first-time museum visitors come back, and museum attendance increases by 30%. These metrics then get passed down to the staff who actually implement the action plans to achieve these goals. So your community engagement officer might be charged with achieving the goal of 80% of customer surveys have positive feedback. Your marketing department may be charged with increasing museum attendance by 30%. And so these metrics are what they focus on day to day. Here's the thing. Even when you explain the strategic aim to the entire team, staff are most interested in how it applies to them. It's totally normal. It's just human behavior. When I hear about a strategy, I'm waiting for you to get to the part that involves me. And the part of this discussion that involves me as a staff member is the metric that I'm being charged with. So at the end of this discussion, that's what I'm walking away with. I'm thinking, okay, 30% increase in museum attendance and probably formulating ways I can increase traffic on my way out of the meeting. I'm not thinking about that strategy of enhancing visitor experience, first off because it's abstract, but also because my specific duty is to increase museum traffic. So every day as staff complete their work, they're working toward these specific measurements. When customer surveys come in each month, your community engagement officer is looking for that 80% positive feedback. Every day, your marketing officer might be looking at attendance and tracking that overall to make sure that the museum attendance is on track to hit that 30% increase. Here's the thing. These metrics are actually to help your organization achieve the strategic aim of enhancing the experience of museum visitors. But where can these metrics trip you up? The authors of the Harvard Business Review article go on to say, but there is a hidden trap in this organizational architecture. A company can easily lose sight of its strategy and instead focus strictly on the metrics that are meant to represent it. This fictional museum that we are using as an example is at risk of a phenomenon called surrogation. Surrogation is defined as the behavioral tendency to replace strategy with metrics. So if the marketing officer's goal is to increase museum traffic by 30%, there are multiple ways she could achieve this that actually deviate from the strategy of enhancing museum visitor experience. She could book multiple group tours per day that would definitely increase museum traffic, but that might mean that tour groups have a worse experience because the exhibits are crowded. The community engagement officer who's trying to reach 80% of customer surveys with positive feedback, they might only hand customer surveys to groups that look like they're having a good time. The thing is, the behavior of these staff is not to intentionally deviate the, from the strategy of enhancing museum visitor experience. Not at all. They are simply trying to hit the metric that they were charged with. But because the focus is on this measurement, on this goal, 
they're actually moving the organization further away from achieving its strategic aims. The question then becomes, when does surrogation become a problem organizations need to contend with? The authors say that organizations are especially vulnerable to surrogation when the strategy and the metric are not aligned or are poorly aligned. For example, let's look at enhancing museum visitor experience by measuring a 30% increase in museum visitor traffic. On the one hand, it might make sense that when the museum provides a great visitor experience, people want to come back and traffic increases, right? Visitors might come to the museum multiple times to experience all of the exhibits when they have a great experience, and they may bring friends and family who are visiting from out of town. A great visit could make the museum their go-to tourist spot to take their visitors. All of this would be seen by an increase in museum traffic. But here's where the issue arises in the alignment between the strategic aim of enhancing museum visitor experience and the metric of increasing museum traffic. A great museum experience could result in increased museum traffic, but an increase in museum traffic does not necessarily mean an enhanced visitor experience. So that's kind of a confusing statement, so I'll say it again another way. When museum visitors are happy, they return to the museum and traffic increases. But on its own, increased traffic does not mean that museum visitors are actually enjoying their visit. Let's say our well-meaning marketing department that was charged with a 30% increase in museum traffic decided to book a bunch of group tours. So they book a tour with a group of elementary school classes, a group from the senior center visits, and a tour bus full of -of out-of-towners all visit the museum on the same day. Museum attendance is through the roof, but the exhibits are all so crowded that it's difficult to hear their tour guides and walk around at their own pace. Visitors feel rushed to move from one exhibit to the next without enough time to actually enjoy each piece of art as they would like to. So yes, increased museum traffic could indicate an enhanced visitor experience, but not necessarily. Really think about this and how it applies to your own organization. Dust off that strategic plan and the metrics that you use to track your own work every day. Are they aligned? Can you come up with any examples in which the measurement you're using is not a reflection of progress towards the strategy? Another reason organizations might fall vulnerable to this phenomenon called surrogation is when there's incentives or pressure to achieve the measurement. An incentive might look like a bonus at the end of the fiscal year when the marketing department increases museum traffic by 30% or more. When staff are incentivized to achieve a metric, they are encouraged to really put their blinders on and focus on achieving those numbers. Now, I'm sure some organizations offer bonuses and other incentives, but in the nonprofit world, the bigger issue is probably the pressure that staff feel to achieve their goals. If achieving your metric is associated with funding, the pressure to hit that goal, regardless of whether it moves your organization toward or further away from the strategic aim, is huge. Maybe your program is grant-funded, and the only way to receive the remainder of the funding is to meet the goals that you laid out in the grant proposal. In our museum example, perhaps the budget includes increased revenue based on the metric of increased museum attendance. 
So there's pressure from your supervisor, their supervisor, and the board, you name it, to achieve that 30% increase. Again, think about how this might apply to your nonprofit. What pressure do you personally feel to achieve the measurements under your charge? I for sure know that pressure is there, especially when money is involved. And honestly, it's the worst. I really feel for you if that pressure is hanging over you constantly. That being said, are metrics bad? Should we stop measuring altogether and just focus on strategic aims? The authors of the article, Don't Let Metrics Undermine Your Business, go on to say, Don't get us wrong. We're not suggesting that measurement is a bad thing. It's not. And there's a reason it's ubiquitous in business. It's the only way we can make sense of our environment, our results, and our strategic objectives, which we must do if we are to succeed. Metrics provide clearly defined direction where strategy may otherwise seem too amorphous to have an impact. Because they can coordinate behaviors and actions, metrics are crucial. But unless the inherent distortions of metrics are understood, they can be dangerous. So how can you safeguard your nonprofit against the phenomenon of surrogation? The authors offer three solutions for safeguarding against surrogation. First, they say, get the people responsible for implementing strategy to help formulate it. Based on their research, the authors found that simply talking about strategy within teams wasn't enough. For instance, once the strategic planning process is over, you can't just invite all of your staff into the conference room and tell them, these are our strategies and expect them to keep strategy front of mind. Or even worse yet, email out the strategic planning document to all staff and just tell them to read it. The best way to ensure strategy is a focus is by involving those who are responsible for implementing the action plans into the formulation of the strategy. So back to our example, if you're looking at enhancing museum visitor experience, you would involve the community engagement officer and the marketing team in developing the strategy. For one, since they were involved in the process of creating the strategy, they'll remember it but also they'll have some skin in the game in achieving this aim because they came up with it. The authors also suggest loosening the link between metrics and incentives. So rather than base bonuses and other incentives on achievement of the metric, maybe base it off of movement toward the strategy itself. So if the strategy is to enhance museum visitor experience, even if museum traffic increases, base incentives on whether their experiences were overall better. In terms of relieving the pressure that staff feel to achieve these metrics, which I personally think is the bigger deal within nonprofits, I think the best way to combat this is for leadership to put things into perspective so staff don't distort their efforts due to the pressure. If, for instance, a grant award is based on meeting all of the deliverables that your organization laid out in the proposal, there is definitely a lot of pressure to achieve those metrics. While it's absolutely important to get that grant funding, it's not in the nonprofit's best interest to deliver at the expense of the nonprofit itself. So with the museum example, if grant funding hinges on increasing museum traffic by 30%, but these visitors have a terrible experience, even if you get the funding, it doesn't serve your nonprofit in the long run. 
It's so much easier said than done. I know that when funding is hanging off over your head and you need it, it can be hard to think straight. One suggestion I have is to build a strong relationship with your funders so that if for some reason you can't deliver, you can explain that to your funder early on and they will be more likely to understand where you're coming from. Many times, funders actually want to know that you have systems in place to catch these deviations from your proposal early on and are addressing it so that can relieve some of that pressure that your staff may feel and prevent surrogation. Lastly, the authors suggest that organizations should use multiple measurements for each strategy. And specifically, these multiple measurements should be used in a coordinated fashion. So in our museum example, I described a scenario where the community engagement officer was tracking customer survey responses, and then the marketing folks were tracking museum traffic. When these metrics are segregated, we can see how they could actually counteract each other. The marketing department could be increasing museum traffic, but then the customer survey scores could indicate a negative experience. The community engagement officer might get a bunch of positive feedback, but hounds the visitors so much to get these surveys back that the visitors never want to return. What you want to do is actually achieve the metrics in tandem. So not only is museum attendance up, but everyone is also enjoying their experience as indicated through the customer survey. If you have a team meeting regarding the strategy of enhancing museum visitor experience, you'd want to make sure that all of the metrics are considered and the staff responsible for each individual measurement can come together and make sure that all of these measures are being achieved, not just one, and they can see how the metrics relate to one another. Additionally, Another method that I think could combat surrogation is to always keep the strategic aims front of mind. While the authors say that you can't just talk at staff about strategy, and I completely agree with that, I think there are ways to build in strategic moments into the work that your organization does. For instance, during a staff meeting, leadership can ask everyone to go around the table and talk about how they personally enhance the experience of a museum visitor. That reiterates the fact that it's not just surveys and traffic numbers. At the heart of what the organization is trying to achieve is a better museum visit. Along with this, you can have meetings regarding the strategy, not the metric. So rather than having a meeting for discussing museum traffic, hold a meeting regarding the strategy of enhancing museum visitor experience, where as part of this meeting, you might discuss that metric as it relates to the strategy, but the focus is actually on the strategic aim. The authors contend that if you're using any kind of performance metric, surrogation is happening at your organization. So I hope that after this episode, you'll go back and take a really hard look at your strategy and metrics and ask yourself, are our metrics and strategy aligned? Do I feel pressured or do the staff feel pressured to achieve metrics? Do we silo measurement so that we lack coordination between measurements that all belong to the same strategy? Do we ever talk about strategy or is the focus always on metrics? It's totally fine if your organization has any or all of these issues with the emphasis on data that has taken over nonprofits in recent years. It's expected that surrogation exists within your nonprofit. It's not the end of the world, but you want to become aware of it so that you can get to work readjusting your focus. 
Remember, metrics serve to give structure to strategy, but strategy is what is really important. Strategy is what actually moves the needle toward achieving your mission. Okay, I hope you found this episode enlightening. I certainly learned a lot from this article that was referenced, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'll link to the Harvard Business Review article in the show notes, which you can find at thirdsuite.com forward slash metrics. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. I hope you're as excited about the future of Third Suite as I am. And if so, please join me back here on Thursday for our first nonprofit Boss Network episode. Thanks again. I will talk to you soon.